Hello once again and welcome to the podcast. Today I have a question for you. Do you like being wrong? Just think about that for a, for a second or two, would you? Do you like being wrong? However that comes about, whether it's through someone pointing out a fault, a fault or a flaw, something according to natural wisdom and understanding. How about spiritual matters? Biblical studies, doctrinal positions, denominational and upbringing differences. I've got one. How about parenting approaches? Relational interaction. How to prefer your spouse or how to carry yourself properly in a relationship with your husband or wife. We could go on endlessly about certain examples of how, you know what, we really don't want anyone else's opinion most of the time. In a natural sense, in a knee-jerk response, even those who are spiritual men who believe and understand in the, in the scriptural command to love one another as you love yourself and to lay down your life for a brother and to take the lowly pattern of Jesus the Christ who made himself literally nothing. He emptied himself of every single thing that would have brought him any good in a fleshly natural sense. And so I just want uh, I w- I would like to start just kind of a a little one-way dialogue. Feel free to respond. <laughs> In whatever format you're listening to this, it's okay to talk to yourself. It's okay. In this day and age of of electronic gadgetry, no one will know. They will just assume you have some invisible device that can field phone calls and convert to text and or even at worst case scenario they'll just assume you're crazy and won't bother you anyway I am a proponent of talking to oneself and so what about this question of like how do we respond to anything brought to us, however it may come, that doesn't, in that moment of whenever it lands in us, whether it goes through our ear canal and makes its way into our brain and we process it as a human being of, and we f- begin to formulate a thought upon what is heard, what does that incite in you? What does it incite in me? The fact the experience of being wrong. 
And the reason I ask that is because I've been, I've been listening to some teachings by a guy I, I had never heard of before. And he says, I mean, this is a grandiose understatement. He speaks of very deep matters. Scriptural. Doctrinal. What does the scripture really say about a matter? And prefaces many things that he presents in a, in a way that I am fine with at the outset for sure, which is, you know, this may really oppose your upbringing. This may really oppose your present understanding on a matter. And you know, really, anytime we give ourselves to that, I think that in, in the wisdom and maturity of a spiritual man, I think is, is really nothing but healthy and, and beneficial if rightly held and appraised and meditated on. And if we give ourselves to searching the scriptures for ourselves, it is, to me, it's like entirely for our good. Because over the years, I've learned the value of questioning things. Dare I say, even questioning God, which really in most Christian circles is considered not just taboo, but basically like, you can't be a believer if you question things you don't understand. And really the problem with that is the fruit of what that mindset has produced because the generation, I would say, that has gone before me, um, people born in the 40s, you know, the immediate generation before me, early 50s. For the most part, I think it was just understood as a, as a primarily moral generation. You know, you just don't question God, son. <laughs> you don't question God, little Timmy. You take your Bible and you go to Sunday school and you say the Pledge of Allegiance and, um, you know, you button your top button and hike up your britches and you go to school and you pray at lunch and you know and I'm not devaluing that I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that necessarily but what I'm saying is there was this inherent I would say error and I'm not claiming to say that this was started then in any way I, who knows this could have been just like ancient issue with mankind but I have absolutely seen it my whole life, my whole Christian upbringing in so many different denominations and church experiences I've had over the last 40 years that I can remember of my nearing 46 years of life. I can remember the different flavors of Christianity that my mother took us to to be parts of different churches and services and trying to find anything real in her best efforts. But I, one theme, I guess, just, just to extract for today's topic is you just don't question God. You don't question who He is, what He does. If there's a verse or a scriptural context or even an event in Scripture that you don't understand, well, you know, don't don't, 
Don't worry yourself about understanding it, Joel. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts, they're not your thoughts. Right? Who can understand the mind of God? Okay, well, I agree with all those statements. I mean, that that's factual. That's in the Bible. <laughs> yes. But it's improperly wielded when we use that to just excuse away things we don't understand instead of giving ourselves to asking questions. And one of the things that I listened to this gentleman teaching about today on the topic of baptism, um, and that's kind of where I'm at this present second, is he presented some things that, that kind of conflict with my present understanding of the biblical um, presenting presentation, I guess, if you will, of baptism. What it is, what it signifies, what it does, what it doesn't do, and, and I will admit there were only very minor things within what he shared that I don't presently ascribe to, but I just realized that whatever feeling that is in me that that invokes, I, I don't like that. Something in me wants to completely, subliminally, and unintentionally discard the whole. I think we've been taught, it's been ingrained to us, oh, be careful, brother, what you look into. Be careful about false doctrines. Oh, well, that guy, he, he preaches about kingdom living. Oh, well, you know what kingdom living means. Kingdom living means get everything you want. Kingdom living automatically equals that if you read that book, you will want to go get a Cadillac because you deserve one. Be careful, brother. Well, that's just ridiculous thinking. That's juvenile thinking is what it is. Because, I mean, could we not pull Jesus aside and say likewise, oh, Jesus, hey, oh, oh shh, shh, Jesus, don't you be talking about that kingdom stuff. Don't be telling us about the promises of the people who walk in the light, who walk as the sons of the Most High God. Don't tell us about that stuff now. People will get confused. People will ruin it, distort it, pervert it, right? Of course. Take the most simple biblical doctrine, basic. I mean, let's just, shoot, John 3.16, you see it at stinking football games on signs, t-shirts, bumper stickers. I'm, I'm a goodness. Who has not seen the reference John 3.16? Has that not been the most perverted and annihilated verse in all of the Bible? Just by its misuse, by its overuse, without the true undergirding of what it's actually saying? The greater context of what that even means? We, I mean, I don't know anybody who could say, well, yes, that's true, of course. Actually, I can think of a few people, but that's not <laughs> worth mentioning. And we have other issues to discuss. <laughs> but even though that is true, I would say, that, of course, by no means removes the power and the promise and the truth that's within the verse. 
It is true. It is truth. It is absolute. And so likewise, we have all these things in, in, before I get too far out of my train of thought, and I don't like it when I do this, but this is just how I speak, and I apologize. I kind of jump around, I know. This guy today that I was listening to while I was working was talking about <clears throat> certain passages about baptism, and he was reading some things. I believe he was in Timothy. I think he was in Second Timothy something. And he was listening to a pastor speak one time about a matter and he was giving his sermon and he got to a certain point of the text and he just stopped and said, you know what, we're just going to skip the next eight or nine verses because you won't understand them anyway. They're, they're really kind of just bizarre and they don't really fit the text and we don't really understand what he meant. And so let's just move on. And when he said that this morning in that message I was listening to, I thought, you know what, that right there sums up a problem within the body of Christ. The greater corporate representation of God and His, His people on the earth. <coughs> Present age, 2019. We are a generation that is the product of ignorance. If you're in the generations that went before me, I'm sorry. I know there's anomalies, but like across the board, American Christianity today in its pathetic state is so because it's the fruit, it's the product of generations before us that have called their, themselves according to the name of Christ. They have said, we are Christ's followers Therefore, you who come after us, whether they say it deliberately or just by actions which we naturally follow, they have said, we don't really know what we believe. We don't know why we believe it, and we can't explain it to you, but you know what? You should just believe. And I'm sorry, but that's so hollow. And the product of that is a generation of people who have no identity in God. They do not know Him as He is, myself included. We don't know God. We don't know how to be the God-approved people that He intended to cover the earth. We know formulaic ideas. We know how to do soul-winning events. We know how to go to a church service and be taught elementary teachings at best. We know how to sing real loud when the volume's blaring so much that the, the speakers are bumping and shaking me to the point of feeling something. Yes, we know that. But y'all, we do not know Yahweh of the Bible. We do not know Him. Why? Because no one has taught us Him. Our fathers have not gone before us and shown us like, I mean, think of anything even in the natural. Let's do a little bit of a, an imagination, uh, you know, a little moment of fable here. Let's say that your father takes you back to his hometown 
And you go to his hometown and you and you drive around and he says, I just, son, I just want to show you just my childhood. I want to show you where I grew up, what I did. This is where I had my first job. This is where I was born and this is where I played cars on the front porch. This is where I learned how to throw a baseball. And you are introduced to the heritage of your father. Son, this is what I used to... I used to look at that tree outside of my window. This is where we used to go, I don't know, to to buy baseball cards. Okay? Like... You, you would be, in that scenario, you would be introduced to what those who have gone before you have done and what they knew. Your father's experiential reality and your, his experiential knowledge of his life. And you would be introduced to that. See what I used to do. See where I used to do it. And y'all, we just got to be honest that that has not happened spiritually. It has not happened in a spiritual context. You know, you see all of the scriptures of the reference of the God of our fathers. Now, we talk about this all the time as of late here in our fellowship. And and we, we know, oh my gosh, we know we've been devouring the Old Testament in our households and as a corporate body eating up the the Old Testament man it's just it's teeming with wisdom for the New Testament believer and it's so sad that it's been cast to the side and forgotten irrelevant many would say what a what a sad thing that is and so we've been looking at the Old Testament patterns and like Just what happened, how God revealed himself to men, how men responded to God, how they viewed him, how they approached him, how they interacted with him, how they hid from him, how they disobeyed him, how they kept his commands and how they broke them. A wealth of knowledge for us in there. And of course, you can't help but shake, you know, once... God creates his own people. And I can't help but mention, I'm I'm probably going to do a series about this in some upcoming time yet to be determined. Because right now, everything that's in my head seems like it's the size of the solar system in regards to a couple topical matters. It's going to have to be extremely whittled down. But basically, one thing that's kind of come on in me lately, this little light, if you will, that's like, ding, oh, okay, haven't, haven't seen things through that perception before in my life, is basically just the reality and the, the awesomeness of the people of God. And like, basically, oh my goodness, I mean, like, even as I just say that, I feel, I feel hours of, of discussion dumping into my speech like a download ready to just 
<laughs> Here it comes. Everybody back away. <coughs> I'll show restraint today and stay on topic. I do apologize. I've got a little bit of a head cold. Anyway, you probably didn't notice until I said something. Now you're going to pay attention to it. And for that, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, at the Tower of Babel, I believe it's Genesis 6, I don't know. Didn't take long man to continue to fall away. God says, cover the earth. Y'all, y'all split up. Cover the earth. Multiply. Does that sound familiar? Hey, hey, Adam, Eve. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You chose to rebel. Sorry. Um, uh, people of Noah's era. Oh, yeah. Y'all were bent on evil. Everything you did was evil. Oh, never mind. Intermixing and, and all those things. <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay, well. Here, let's try again. All right, so Tower of Babel. Okay, um, breaking the command of God again. Hey, uh, people, I told you, mankind, I told you, cover the earth, spread out, get out of here. Stop building something for yourselves together. Oh, okay, well, no one's listening. Why aren't they listening? Well, because they're too busy building a tower. They're building a tower up to the highest heaven, not so they can be like God, but so that they can go to the top and they can tell God, get down here. Do you see us? We're basically up here where you are. Come down. But what does God do? <laughs> Even to the highest heaven that they could get to, that they were physically capable of doing, yes, God did have to come down. And he checked things out, and it was not a good report. And so God says, you know what? This is ridiculous. It's, it's, this cannot work. I'm going to have to either devise another plan. I don't want to get doctrinally weird because we know God already knew every single thing when it was set in motion the first time. So it's not like he said, oh, I need an idea here. Oh, man, somebody help me. This isn't working right. <laughs> he didn't panic. Fast forward, he creates a people. He creates his own people through the lineage of this random man, Abram, seemingly random. And he creates a people for himself. And so, fast forward through time and space to today. And God's looking for a people. I say that, I jump from that to what I just said because I realize it's just not for today. It's just not. It's too much. There's no way in the world I'm going to try to summarize what's in my brain in regards to these spiritual matters about God's people. And the culmination of the ages in our purpose. So like even in that, to get right back on topic before I get too far off anymore is what about things about that that you or I have wrong? Are we offended when something that opposes our present understanding is presented to us? Because of course it's easy when it's something that's like 
Whoa, yeah, that's true. That's awesome. Of course, before that can even happen, you have to be a person who's open to change, period. You have to be open to have your mindset changed. And I'm just going to say, I there are tons of people who can't even get to that point. That's just the honest truth. Got the lockdown, smackdown, lock the door, turn out the lights, doctrine on God. Don't you question me. Don't you question my God. Don't you question my patriotism. Uh-uh. Hands off. That's okay. You can't really go too far with that sort of person, so amen, so be it. But what of us who are willing to say, you know what, challenge me. Bring something to me that opposes my thinking. Tell me something that you know I will disagree with. Not for the sake of offending me or riling me up or making me angry and see how I do with it, but for the sake of if you believe that is really true, can we not maturely talk about these things? My goodness, y'all, I'm just reminded right now, we used to have a small group, house church, shoot, I don't know, call it whatever you want. Wasn't much of anything. We met at our house. It had a short lifespan. There were some good things within it, awesome things within it. We were trying. We were trying to do something to help one another. I'm not saying we failed at that, but, you know, we were just infants. And (laughs) we had some very unexpected people that began to come with great regularity that, like, in all honesty, made me cringe that they were coming. I'm like, I don't really know these people. They don't know me. I have no clue what we believe, what we share, you know, as far as a belief goes. I don't know what in the world they're going to (laughs) say, which in your own home and you're the overseer of it is kind of scary. And I remember one night a brother was sharing something that I would personally agree with, but is very confrontational. Yet, I mean, like, scriptural to the T, but not very often discussed. And somehow we got on topic of talking about that. But this brother is a very learned brother. I mean, he's... This isn't something he just read on the internet that morning. I mean, this is something that he had given himself to for years. And one of these ladies that I would consider a guest because I didn't know her, she was undone at what was presented. There's no way that's true. That's blasphemy. I will not hear that. I won't listen to that. I'm leaving. <laughs> And, you know, well, okay. Um, who's in charge here? Oh, oh gosh, it's me. <laughs> uh, there's nobody to look to. Uh, somebody call Elder Bill, please. Oh, gosh, no, there is no Elder Bill. Ushers? Oh, no. Uh, no ushers. Deacon? Deacons? No, no deacons. <laughs> oh, that was a rough night. <laughs> My wife and another lady who who attended every week, I think they no, I don't think they actually removed themselves from the from the 
explosion that was the disagreement. And she was so angry, y'all. I look back at it with such sadness. I probably, I, I'm convinced I handled it the best I could because I was trying to make a correlation between what we did agree on and what we didn't. Like we, listen, I was like, I was saying her name. Do we agree that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah who came in the, in the form of man and, you know, all those things, you know? Yes, 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 of course. We Yeah, okay. Well, okay, well, can we just kind of at least make an attempt to just move forward from, from these things and, like, calmly talk about anything that we might disagree on and, like, at least give it a moment to get clarity in, on a matter together? Well, I'm just telling you, it wasn't happening. And I, to my knowledge, I don't think I saw her again. Now, that's a sad excuse. That's a sad, not excuse, it's a sad example of the body functioning rightly. And if you're anti-home gatherings, and that's another notch to put in your belt, I get that. I have others. If that were our point, which of course it is not. Because don't even get me started on what's wrong, where there is order, and where there is men in a position because they have a name tag on so we don't want to go there either but that is a perfect example I had not thought of about when something's presented to us that we don't initially agree with even if we think it's heretical okay well I'm not going to say so what but like can the eternal word of God be thwarted I mean, I'm thinking of, of the, I'm thinking of at least two accounts in the New Testament where the Pharisees say, in summary, look, if this is, if they're talking about Jesus, of course, if this man is who he says he is, there's going to be no stopping him. If these people who are following after this man, Jesus of Nazareth, if he is really who they're saying, there's going to be no one doing this, men. If this is of God, it's going to remain. And if it's of man, it's going to pass away. But if it's of God, brother, there's nothing that's going to thwart this move. And y'all, that's what we're talking about. I'm not the defender of the scriptures. It defends itself. It's eternal, friends. It's eternal. It's written by the hands of natural men. But it is the God-breathed word to all of mankind. And I know men have taken care of it. I know men in the natural throughout the ages of the church have preserved it and got it to our hands. I wish they had done a better job of not making it so confusing. But, that being aside, we have it. Although it's in a million different forms to fit every different ear that hears it we do have it so let's think positive but can it not take care of itself can it not stand on its own as absolute it is truth it is whether someone agrees with it or not is irrelevant 
God is who He is whether I say He is or not. My disbelief, your, your cousin's uncle's grandmother's neighbor's son, his belief in God does not in any way affect God's existence. We can't shake these eternal things. The only thing that can be shaken is ourselves. So with that in mind, how open are you? How open would you consider yourself to being wrong in a matter? And just to clarify here with the put a bow on this at the end, I'm primarily I'm thinking spiritual matters, biblical matters, doctrinal matters. Are we so afraid that like if we don't understand something that that somehow negates our faith or it negates the truth that's trying to permeate all of ourselves, our entire being. Because I believe I do believe we're we are limited in these bodies of flesh, absolutely. We are greatly limited. We're restricted, restrained. My mind cannot comprehend all of the mysteries set throughout all of the scriptures that God has given to men. Good grief. I mean, there's... It's impossible. So, therefore, that's not my goal. My goal is to continue to say, stay positioned that, you know what, I'm learning. Tell me something I don't know. Tell me something I think I know, but you know what? Maybe I am not looking at that rightly. And the reason for that truth is not what I thought. That's okay. And if I don't understand it, I'm trying to practice that that's okay too. So like even this doctrine of baptism that I'm looking at today, that I'm listening to, anything that lands in me that I can't just put a check mark by and say, agree, 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 agree. Oh, oh, I don't know about that. May that just be okay in us. You know, may it be all right. For those of us who are really giving ourselves to mature and grow and study and learn, be changed, be challenged, be transformed, put on the mind of Christ. I mean, isn't that our life's endeavor? If we've truly yielded to God and given our entire life to becoming conformed into the image of Jesus Christ the Son, isn't that what we're doing? Because if we think in any way, in any facet of any aspect of our life that we've arrived, then we we need to go back and start over already. (laughs) We're already off the path. We're already deceived. If there's nothing in us that can be undone, rearranged, re-explained, re-evaluated, the Spirit of God in a man is, I believe, going to continue to redefine and, and clarify things for the rest of our days. There's things that 10 years ago I was absolutely sure meant blue that today I'd say, well, you know, I'm thinking maybe that means more red. And that's fine. Why? Because truth is truth, y'all. It's truth, period. It's not dependent upon my view or my, nor does it need my endorsement. 
It stands alone. It stands on its own. And I praise God literally that I have a hunger to learn. For those of those of the others in my life that literally long to know our purpose and to bring up our children into the purpose of becoming the people of God on the earth. That's the primary goal. Not basketball. Not natural capabilities on how to draw well, sing well, play an instrument good, get good grades, be smart, be fast, all into the glory of God. Right? No. Let's be honest. Let's just be honest. That's just not our motivation. It's just not. And if, well, let me be careful. That might be the motivation, but I don't think it's what it masquerades to be. We might think that's what, in fact, we're doing, but I would say maybe we can examine that as a people in our generation. You know, why is Susie wearing an I can do all things through Christ t shirt while she's winning the ballerina competition? I mean, really? (laughs) Okay, I need to stop. So, brother, can you be wrong? Can you be wrong, friend, and, and, and survive through it to the other side? I pray we can. When we're humble servants of the Most High God, you know what? He has it all in His hand. He has me. He has my family. He has my reputation. He has my everything. I would like to say as much as I can surrender in this present moment. And you know what? The moment's about to change and I'll have more asked of me and empowered by His Spirit through His patience and grace and loving kindness and long-suffering with me, I'll continue to do it, to move forward. Less of me and more of Him. Amen.